Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together as we study God's Word, and let us be challenged to apply His truths to our hearts so that we may serve Him faithfully. May God bless you. Well, let me invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first seven verses. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Allow me to read this passage. In the same way, you wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, and putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being sub- submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have, you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by the, any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been together, you know, doing this. I was out uh, one Wednesday, and uh, Bill, uh, well, oh, no, that's a ball game Wednesday. And then last Wednesday was our, our meal, so it's been a couple of weeks. But the last time we were here, last chapter, Peter dealt with the topic of submission. And he's been dealing with this uh, as he is preparing these churches that he's writing to for the coming persecution that they're already facing. He is basically saying that the greatest way to deal with any kind of adversity for being a Christian is being submissive to the Lord. And God has given him through Peter, has given us several areas to be submissive. First of all, be submissive to the Lord, uh, just as Christ was submissive to the Lord and gave himself up for us. Also, be submissive to the government. Now, the way our government's going right now, it's hard for us to want to be submissive to it. But the government is ordained by God. And I hate to say it, but we have what we deserve right now as a, as a nation. Our nation has kind of turned away from God, so uh, we really are where we deserve to be. So God still wants us to show honor and respect for the position of those in government. Also, to show respect, to be submissive to those who are over us. He used the terms of servant and master in today's day and age as basically those that we serve under in our jobs and things of this nature. Now he turns to the marriage relationship and shows how submission is a critical part of living out obedient to the Lord. Now, there are times where we use the word submission where it should be surrender, and that's in our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Some people use the term submission and say, well, I'll just submit to him, but I won't surrender. Submission basically means I will show honor and respect, but I'm not going to surrender and let him have complete control. I believe that in our relationship with the Lord, surrender is the correct term. 
But here, submission is the correct term because if we surrender to the government, if we surrender to our, our bosses or surrender to husband or wife, uh, then we would give them total control over our lives. And they don't deserve it, and they're not supposed to have it. That's not what God's saying. So submission is truly the, the correct term here. So now let's see how uh, showing honor and respect is important in marriage. Verse 1, as well as verse 7, say, in the same way. Verse 1 says, in the same way, you wives. And verse 7 says, you husbands, in the same way. Well, what does the same way mean? Is the same way as what or the same way as who? And both of them are correct. We know that if we go back in the scriptures, it says in the same way as Jesus was obedient to the Lord, we ought to be obedient to the Lord. How? By being obedient to those over us in government, by being obedient to those that we serve. And now he is saying that we need to be obedient in submission to, uh, to our household, our husbands and wives. So... Being submissive in the same way doesn't mean that we're of any less value. It simply shows that God has placed people in authority over us. He's placed government in authority over us. He's put you know, the master-slave, the employer-employee positions over us. You, you know, not everybody can be president. Not everybody can be a CEO of a company. Most people live their lives in a service to others rather than being served by others. And so basically what God is saying is that uh, we just simply need to serve others in a way that brings honor and glory. And the best way to do that is just to be obedient to the Lord. So this is true in marriage. Uh, God has ordered an authority in marriage. doesn't mean that one spouse is greater than the other. It's just that one has a position of leadership and God has placed us in a position where we just need to be obedient. And so verses 1 and 2, I just say, he's telling us to examine our actions. And he's using the wife in the relationship as, as the, the key. Uh, verses 1 through 6 deal with the wives. Only verse 7 deals with the husband. Now, ladies, y'all probably said that's unfair, right? But if you, if you look at the responsibility of a husband... He has the greater responsibility. Uh, in other passages of scriptures, it's more balanced. Uh, here, Peter basically just uses the wives in the first six verses and the husband in the, in the seventh. But we look and let me just kind of take you on a historical journey. When Peter was writing this, the church was a new thing. Jerusalem had been destroyed not long after Jesus, about 30 years after Jesus' death on the cross, 35 years. And now the church has scattered. It's no longer in Jerusalem. It's no longer in that surrounding area. The Christians have moved away. So now Peter is writing to a number of those churches in Asia Minor, you know, not, not really that close to where he is, uh, mainly because of their facing the persecution. Now, Later on, Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked in marriage. In other words, Christians need to marry Christians. But when, when you're in the, the, the early stages of the church, what Paul had written, if it was even out there, may not have reached everybody. And even so, what happens if you were already married and 
your spouse was not a Christian. Or if you even heard that and did not follow that and you married someone who was not a Christian. And here's more than likely the situation. You were married and one of you became a Christian long before the other. And the situation and many times was it was the wife who became a follower of Christ first. Uh, women were a very strong support system in Jesus' ministry. He had many women who followed him and ministered to him and his disciples uh, while he was on uh, in his earthly ministry. So there were a lot of women who, who became followers of Christ. And the picture here is that the wife is a believer, but the husband is not. And so he says here, Wives, be submissive to your own husband so that even if they are not obedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of you wives. Show them that you observe yourself as chaste and respectful behavior. And so when he says this, he's basically to me saying, Wives, you who believe, who have husbands that do not obey the word, who don't know the word of God, who are not children of God, how are you going to reach them with the gospel? How are you going to transform their lives? How are you going to lead them to Christ? Well, are you going to beat them over the head with the Bible and say, you idiot, just, just accept this? Are you going to show them all their ungodly faults? Well, more than likely, that's going to push them away rather than lead them to Christ. What he's saying is that you may win them without a word, without saying anything. Do it by your behavior. Do it by your actions. Show them that you're chaste. Show them that you're respectful in your behavior towards them. By being respectful, even when they don't always respect you, will help them to see the, the nature of Christ in you. And the longer they're exposed to that, even without saying, hey, I'm a Christian, this is what I believe, you need to believe the same thing, you're modeling what you believe. You're living out what you believe. And so he is seeing Christianity. He's seeing Christ being lived in front of him. So that's basically what Peter is saying. Live out in obedience this behavior. Show respect, show honor uh, to your husbands, even if they are not believers, even if they are not treating you the same way. And then he goes on and says, okay, let's... Let's look at the inner beauty. Now, women tend to look at the mirror more than guys. Would I be pretty fair in saying that? Women tend to be a little bit more uh, specific about their looks than guys do. I mean, just, just walk down the street and you'll notice. Women wearing earrings, they have their hair fixed, they got the makeup on. They got their nails done. Guys, I mean, doesn't matter if we've had a shower in two days or not. It really doesn't matter sometimes. So really what Peter is saying here is your dormant must not be merely external. He's not saying that it's wrong to, to braid your hair. He's not saying it's wrong to wear gold jewelry or put on dresses. He's not condemning any of that. But what he's saying is, look at the hidden person of the heart, which is the imperishable qualities of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So he's saying, especially to these women who have husbands that are not believers, 
It's okay to dress up for them, to make them want to see you, but don't just focus on that. Focus on the inner beauty, the gentle, quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Now, in the Roman Empire, which is basically what uh, the Christians were living under at that time, uh, the, the Roman women were very vain. Uh, they would have gold and silver combs in their hair, most of the time encrusted with jewels. Uh, as far as jewelry, the more the better. And they, they wore so much makeup that it pretty much transformed their appearance many times. Uh, I know Cleopatra was not a Roman. She is Egyptian. But y'all have seen the paintings of, of all the makeup she has. I wonder what she really looked like without all the eye mascara and all that kind of stuff. But what Peter, through God, is saying is it's okay to make yourself look presentable. But don't focus on that. Focus instead on the quiet, gentle spirit. Your husband will be led more to Christ by a spirit in which you show him that I'm not going to badger you. I'm not going to try to force something down your throat. I'm just going to simply live out my faith. And by doing that uh, prayerfully, hopefully, the husband might desire uh, to change himself. And then verses 5 and 6 says, For in this, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you became her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. So now what Peter is doing, he's saying, look for godly examples. Look back into the biblical history and find women that you respect because of how they carried their lives out. And then he, he shares about Sarah, Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, do you think that she had it made because she was the wife of this great godly man? Well, let's kind of go through the history of Abraham and what Sarah was put through. They lived over in Ur of the Chaldeans a very settled place, place with her family and friends close by. And all of a sudden, Abraham, who was not a godly man at that time, hears from God. God tells him to leave where he is, to go where God will show him. He doesn't know where he's going to go, but he knows it's going to be a foreign land, basically a wilderness. And Sarah has to say, you don't really even know who God is, yet you're willing to uproot our entire being. My, you know, they didn't have children at that time. You're, you're willing to take me out away from my family and take me into some unknown alien place. How many of you ladies would like to follow that man? Okay, well, let's keep going. After Abraham starts to make himself known, he goes before a number of kings. Two of those kings, he tells the king that Sarah is his sister, and she becomes a part of these kings' harems. Now, how many of you women would like to have been married to a man who, who lied and said, this is my sister, you can have her as, as one of your wives? Not too good, huh? Okay, here's another one. 
90-something years old. They finally had their first child. He's able to walk. Uh, We're assuming he's probably somewhere between 6 and 10. We don't really know how old uh, Isaac was. But your wonderful husband, Abraham, says... I'm taking Isaac up on a mountain. I'm going to load his back up with some wood. I'm going to build an altar, and I'm going to sacrifice him. Y'all think Sarah had a good situation, yet she honored Abraham and followed him because she knew that he was listening to God. That's not easy. Well, let's kind of bring it into uh, today's day and age. Uh, who would be a, a wife that you think that you could respect? Somebody that you could look up to? A godly wife? Somebody that came to my mind was Ruth Bell Graham. Now, folks, she didn't have it easy. She had a husband that traveled the world, would be gone for months at a time, and yet she kept, kept the kids. She encouraged him. She prayed for him. She was always supportive and encouraging uh, that would be a good one. There's probably many others that you could think of as well. Well, that's how Peter deals with the wise. Mainly, live out your faith. Be respectful. Show honor and respect to your husbands. Look at past history. Find others who have modeled this example and follow them. Now we get down to husbands in verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So first of all, again, he says, in the same way. That means that, uh, just as stated before, he too is to be submissive to the Lord in obedience to God's will for them. It says to live with your wives. Um, what does that mean? How many absent husbands are there in the world? They are so busy at work, they spend 10, 12, 16 hours a day at work that they basically come home and sleep and get up and repeat, and they're never there. They're, I call them absentee husbands. They need to be there for their wife and family. Now, I know that sometimes you, know, you have to put in the extra hours, but on a regular basis, you need to make sure that you're protecting your relationship with your wife and your family. So you need to have a, a, a time frame that you protect where you can be there for your kids' soccer and recitals and all these things. Yes, you're probably going to miss some of them that are, you just can't help, but you really need to be physically there in the same room, engaged with them in life. And then it says, in an understanding way. Now, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of guys who say, how in the world am I supposed to understand my wife? You know, we're two different creatures. God made us different. Well, let me just share a, an illustration I heard a long time ago. This husband and wife, they, they set out to go to every single state in the Union. But one problem was he would not fly. He'd had a terrible situation on a plane before him. Said, I will not fly. So they'd already made it all the way to Alaska and they'd made it through all the states. And they're in their next to last state. They're in California. And along the way, you know, they've had their ups and downs. And well, he liked to get out on the beach with a metal detector. 
And you do that in the early mornings before the crowds get there. Well, his wife wanted to sit in the hotel room and drink coffee and wanted him to be with her and just chill out for a little while. He said, but honey, this is the only time I can really do what I want to do. And so they kind of got a little bickering, and he finally said, okay, I'll just stay. <laughs> he just sat there with his cup of coffee looking out at the beach, and he basically wasn't there. So she finally said, just go on. I'd rather just be by myself and, and you know, for you to be sitting here moping. So he got his metal detector, and within just a few minutes, the, the meter went crazy. He started digging down. He finds this, this brass pot. He picks it up and starts rubbing the dust off of it and the sand off of it. And out pops a genie. And genie says, your wish is my command. He says, I know exactly what I want. I want a bridge from here to Hawaii so I can finish up my bucket list. I can drive to Hawaii. And the genie says, do you know how impossible that is to, to, to put those beams and footings all the way down into the sea and get all the bracing to, to figure out all the the stability so they can withstand hurricane winds and waves and all this kind of stuff. He said, man, can't you come up with something else? He goes, I don't want to be able to understand my wife. And Jeannie looked at him and said, you want that two lanes or four lanes? So it has been a, it's been a joke for a long time that men struggle to understand their wives. But here's what he's saying in an understanding way. Now, how is a man supposed to understand his wife. God created us different. The best way I have learned, and Susan and I will have 41 years of marriage come August the 2nd. So I, I think I speak with a little bit of, uh, <laughs> you know, knowing what I'm talking about. The thing is to listen. Spend time talking and listening. You know, a lot of times when we talk with somebody, we want to kind of control the conversation. We don't really listen. As soon as the person says something, we want to immediately jump in with our thoughts. One thing I found out a long time ago with Susan is if she was sharing something that happened at work or some kind of frustration, she didn't always want an answer to it. She didn't want me to fix the problem. She just wanted to vent. She just wanted to get it out and talk about it. And so I finally learned, you know, some little things that would help me to understand when she wanted me to give an answer or when she just wanted me to, to be supportive. And so I think the first thing is to learn how to listen. Just be quiet and listen and be supportive. And I learned, I, I took a lot of counseling classes at seminary. And one of the things is to kind of pare it back, to mimic back what they said so that they know that you understand what they're saying if you say something back and say, no, that's not what I mean, <laughs> you can get the clarification. But uh, for husbands, we need to improve our communication skills that will help us to better understand our wives. So the key, I think, is listening from the heart, not with just the ears, but with the hearts to say, you know, I'm, I want to understand what's going on. So I'm really trying to, to, to understand. Then it says, as someone weaker... Now, God gets in a lot of trouble when he says things like this because there's some women who are very strong women. And that's, he's not saying that they're frail. He's not saying that they're invalids, they're, that they can't do anything. Basically, God created us differently as male and female, husbands and wives. 
The, the husband for many, many years was the, the breadwinner. He was the one who went out and most of the time in a fiscal way earned a living. Uh, before technology, before you know, businesses sprang up, it was all fiscal labor. And so in the days of Peter, the man went out and fiscally earned the living while the wife was the housekeeper and raised the children. And so fiscally, he was typically stronger, but a wife who had to go out to the well and, and draw water from the well and, and carve up the meat and pound out the, the flour you know, to, in, in the mortar and pestle or, or however she was able to do it, she worked pretty hard herself. So we're not talking about just physical strength, but there's also differences in our makeup. Typically, I'm using typically now, not always, but typically the wife is more emotional, more compassionate. She's the one that typically has the responsibility of raising the kids, and so she has this ability to sense needs, to have emotional connections. When men struggle with that aspect, so basically what it's saying is, husbands, understand your wife is different than you. She says she's weaker, not necessarily physically, but there are times that she'll be more emotional. She'll have greater needs than you do. So listen, look, understand what her, what's happening in her life and protect her and strengthen her emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, that's your responsibility is to see after the well-being of your wife. And then he says, and also in verse 7, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now, here is where God really puts this on even ground. The man is not elevated above, the, the husband is not elevated above the wife. God created us equal but different. That's the best way I've ever known how to explain it. God made us equal in his eyes, but we are different. We're made differently. We have different responsibilities, different uh, positions in the, in the relationship. But he's saying is, husbands, show honor to the fellow heir. Your wife is a fellow heir. She is equal in God's sight. We are both brothers and sisters in Christ. There is where we are truly equal in God's eyes. He's saying, husbands, don't, don't forget this. She is just as important to me as you are. So they're equal, both heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. And so as you learn, husband, to live with your wife, to be there for her physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, as you learn to understand her needs, as you minister to her when she's going through trying times, see her as an equal. In my eyes, you are both heirs, equal in God's eyes. Then he says, by doing this, your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, the closer a husband and wife draw together, the more powerful their prayer life is going to be. Number one, she's not praying and he's not praying in separate. It's good for the wife to pray her own, have her own quiet time of God. It's good for the husband to have his own quiet time of God. But there's also a need for them to come together and pray together so that together they're sharing their request before the Lord. I believe that when that happens, God 
opens up his ears even more and hears greater. So when we look at this, uh, it's kind of hard to understand why Peter's dealing with marriage when he's dealing with the persecution of the church. Well, here's the simple reason. He is telling us that God wants us to be obedient in submission in every area of our life. When we are, then God has us exactly where he wants us to be so that he can work in our lives no matter what situation is going on. If we're being attacked physically, God's going to be there for us. We may, we may be wounded. We may even die a martyr's death, but God will be in control of whatever takes place. If we're being attacked spiritually, he will be our strength to know how to, how to share you know, in response. Do you remember, uh, uh, basically, he told one of his disciples, you know, don't worry about what you have to say if you're taken before the courts. I will give you the words to say. So that's what you know, God is doing. He's preparing them to be submissive, surrendered to him, obedient to him, so that no matter what situation, whether it's attacks physically, whether it's a spiritual attack, whether it's problems in the marriage, he is saying, here's how to settle it. Trust me, be obedient to my will in these areas of your life. Be submissive to governments. Be submissive to those who you serve. Be submissive in your relationships and the family. And be submissive, surrendered to me. If we do that, no matter what comes our way, no matter what attacks come, and Satan's going to always be attacking us one way or another, we will know that God's with us and that he's going to be the strength, the guide, the understanding that we need in all that we face. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful for your presence. Lord, we know that, Lord, we have multiple relationships in our lives. And Lord, whether it's uh, being obedient and respectful to those who are in leadership over us in our government, whether it's uh, being obedient and respectful for those who we serve in our work, or Lord, showing respect and honor to those that we live with, or whatever it may be, help us, Lord, to do so in a manner that honors you and your, your love for us. Lord, if there is someone in our family, or it may be a spouse, it may be a, a distant relative, Lord, help us to use some of these same principles to show the love of Christ, to, to live out Christianity before them so that they will see what it truly means to be a child of God. And Lord, that through that, as they are exposed to the Word of God, that they'll be drawn to, to a, a transforming a time of salvation. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these words. God is in all we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.